Hey, Shawty, let me holler at you. go happy 2020 2020 so much of you this month for january because we missed you last month but you're all here this january you hear that you other uh candy ass jabroni documentaries 2020 is the year of drew taking over <laughs> we're gonna have full-length episodes we're gonna have shorties this is 2020 year of drew i'm calling out all those other documentaries step game up can you smell what the drew is cooking all sports all the time that's what the people want to hear the <laughs> people want to hear sports is that right? they want to hear talk about sports all true? the time in 2020 okay you want to do every episode for the rest of the year that's what the that's what i'm hearing i bet like by the time we hit march you'd be like i'm gonna need a break <laughs> well you don't need breaks right well i'm the one that doesn't get a break but we did that's because a- it's the year of drew 2020 <laughs> hey have you seen uh that movie richard jewel that's out Directed by Cl- out. Clit Teeswood. <laughs> so is he in this one also? Does he get to yell at minorities? Uh, no. I thought that's why he made movies now. <laughs> like, uh, uh, what was that? Grand Torino? That yeah. movie. And the mule. That and Viagra is the only way elderly boomer men can get an erection. Viagra works and Grand Torino. It really gets them hard. <laughs> Well, I guess this one they're pretty excited, too, because they get to be like, the media. Yeah. And it seems like it's getting pretty good reviews, though I have a general distrust of all media, but it seems like it's getting pretty good reviews. I just hope Clint Eastwood yells at a minority in this movie. Clint Eastwood would be very good at Chinese propaganda films. <laughs> if Because he's very straightforward, Right. He just gets the nice cameras. I heard he often does things in one take. Like he's just a no frills style director, which often seems why everything seems somewhat half-assed or why the makeup jobs in certain movies look weak as shit. But I think he could, if the Chinese government hired him, Clint Eastwood could make some fantastic propaganda films for them. Would you buy Samsung? No. From Clint Eastwood? I, my last phone was a Samsung and I went back to Apple. But if Clint Eastwood told you to go back to Samsung or Datsun or... Look, I grew up loving I'm, spaghetti I'm westerns. I grew up loving spaghetti westerns. I would say Clint Eastwood was my favorite cowboy growing up. I was not a John Wayne guy. But nowadays, if Clint Eastwood told me to do something, I'd be like, hmm, I'm going to do a little research into what he's asking me <laughs> to do here. And that's just a fact. But Well, he's telling you to love this pudgy security guard from Atlanta. Yeah, we're not... treated so bad by the media. It sounds like we're going to talk about that Clint Eastwood movie about Richard Jewell, but we're not. No. All month long, we're doing the... We do the... We usually do 30 for 30 full episodes. So all month long for Fridays, the rest of the Fridays in January, the 30 for 30 shorts. Randomly selected by you. You picked all of these. You are so kind. Are you turning over a new leaf or did Angela just shame you so much last month that now you're letting everyone else pick the shorties? I just, it's just helping me out. I definitely want to, I'll probably spread the jam a little more this year. You know, that was nice. I think she just laid into you a little bit. I was like, I'm picking the shorties for the rest of the year. Yeah, she's very. Now 2020 year of Drew, I'm picking the shorties. She was very aggressive all last December. <laughs> it's true. When these mics turn off, folks, you wouldn't believe what happens in this house. 
I am scared. <laughs> now, we're talking about the 30 for 30 ESPN short, Judging Jewel by Adam Hootnick. It's so timely because it's not that Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, but it's all kind of the same. I think that movie's coming around, coming out last, came out last December. <laughs> he just called it Richard Jewel. He couldn't think of a better title. I mean, even Judging Jewel is a better title. The Jiggly Hero. Those newspapers, they're so mean. Job of the Jewel. (laughs) Sorry. I am not a small man. I don't know why. (laughs) He's an American hero. I mean, more so than what was painted of him. I I remember this very vividly, actually. Yeah, the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. I was very invested in the Olympics at that time as a kid. The dream team, bro. And this was only four hours away from you. Yeah. Wait, are you accusing me of something? (laughs) (laughs) wait a second are you throwing around accusations do you have a middle name jewel when i saw this i was like oh my god what did the when when i first saw you gave me the list of what you want to do i was like oh my god what did that singer do this time (laughs) the one that you're named after yeah jewel why why can't songstress jewel yeah who will save your soul, right? Am I right? Well, maybe she's named after you after that rendition. July 31st, 1996. Feds raid an apartment. It's his mama's apartment, but he lives there too. Cool. He is kind of Richard Jewell. He is like the the character that gets bullied in the 80s and 90s movie, you know? And you feel sorry for him, but his characterization is so flat because he looks like the way he does. He's not even close to being the lead. He's just the pity party character in the movie, you know? Man, this is just talking about media and their tropes. And it starts out with a a thing that we've seen in plenty of these documentaries before that I kind of hate. The old show and TV on a TV screen. Yes. Very common. You don't have to show the TV to show TV footage. We know it's TV footage. (laughs) We don't need to see it on the little TV stand. Is that happening right now? <laughs> an What's TV? going on? Oh, that looks like what was on my TV. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I um, there was a Independence Day special on TV. And the special was like a fake news report about the aliens coming down. And I did trick my mom for a, a, a second that it was a real news report. You wore the worlds to your own family? I, yeah, I uh, Orson welles my mother. What's that on Urban Dictionary? Orson Welles. Uh, might, it might not be what I want it to mean. <laughs> but that Will Smith, talking about American heroes. right? Oh, that's true. When he punched the alien, <laughs> showed them what Earth can be like. The biggest thing in Atlanta. I don't know what's the biggest thing in Atlanta besides murders or carjackings. Hey, Atlanta's a fine city. Uh, Centennial Park. Or uh, the People's Park, yes. Four days earlier from that July 31st date I threw out there, there is an explosion. And people are running. I remember this going off. I didn't realize the impact of it. So, correct me if I'm wrong, Richard Jewell spotted a, a package and he got people away from it? He saw a backpack. Yeah. That looked suspicious. And there was a sort of a TV tower where they were filming this park and doing special effects and stuff like that. And he got the people out of this tower. Oh. And we have an interview in this film of a guy who was operating the spotlight from that tower. Yeah. Who straight up says, Richard Jewell saved my life by getting me out when he did. It was a big pipe bomb that apparently blew out the side of, 
of a part of a building. The largest pipe bomb in U.S. history. I, I guess so. this documentary. Man. Who's got the largest pipe in American history? Richard Jewell? I heard he lays a good pipe. <laughs> the Contra- largest pipe bomb. Contrary to popular belief. Now, 150 to 200 people are injured. I, and I wanted to clarify, you know... When we get these injury reports, people getting scratches get lumped into the media reports of injury, but that also overwhelms someone who maybe can't walk anymore because of the issues. The injury reports seem really broad sometimes. But Jewel saved the spotlight guy, got all the people out, and he found the bomb. And she say he saved some souls. Those lies that you tell, boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought the footage they had of this was really good because it showed that kind of slow motion panic when the explosion happened and people weren't really sure what happened. Yeah. It's a festive thing. There's concerts going on. And I guess all of a sudden they started seeing injured people or hearing screams. And then it just turns into this full-blown panic. But it was really interesting seeing that take those couple seconds of confusion to really develop and see what was going on. And it, it, it drove home that impact of how important just a couple seconds can be in a situation like that. And that's how Richard Jewell spotting that and getting people out of the tower was so important. Saved lives that day. Richard Jewell worked, he was a security guard and he worked for AT&T. They were and, sponsoring uh, the concert at the, the park. So, scary thing has happened. No one is dead. Thank goodness. Richard Jewell is now making the cable rounds. And he, you can tell... That he's into this. A lot of people are calling you a hero. Do you feel like one? Um, no, ma'am. I, I feel like uh, I am an, a person that did the job that I was supposed to do. God, he's a great interview, so, too. So far, he's into this. Man, he's such a good interview. From this point, and also when things flip on him, you can tell that he can't help himself from not talking to people with microphones and cameras. Much to his later detriment. At the beginning, he he sure liked talking on the camera until that president of Piedmont College narks on him to the feds. The president of Piedmont College is watching and he says, wait a minute, I know this guy and there's something not right with this guy. And so he calls the FBI. There was a college where he had worked as a campus cop and there were some problems they'd had with him where he was allegedly overzealous. I want to know more about what made him overzealous because in my history of campus cops, they suck. They suck a big dick. <laughs> Most of them don't really give a shit about anything that's happening. No. And I mean, Richard Jewell does have this vibe of wannabe cop. He fits the mold. That's what they keep saying. He fits this stereotype. He's a loner. He's got a cabin in the woods even. He lives at home. He was a campus cop. He wants to be a real cop. An overzealous He's campus cop. A little overweight. Just wants to be that big hero. But the truth is... Richard did really save people that day. It's so interesting that that's how this whole thing started, that the president of a university that he used to work as a campus cop for was like, I remember that guy. That guy sucked. Yeah, I better call the FBI now that he's a big hero on TV all the time and and say, hey, this guy actually sucks. (laughs) And the feds are under pressure. And suddenly we see Richard Jewell in a media interview, and he's looking a little more uh, morose. Have any way of knowing why they would consider you a suspect? No, I have no idea. Did you do it? <laughs> no, sir, I didn't do it. Think he's had some talkings to, and he doesn't feel quite as confident, maybe, or 
Uh, he, he's lacking a little less big dick energy than he had before. Oh yeah, he had so much before. Yeah, um, I think uh, I saw a backpack. I've only seen the trailer for the Clint Eastwood movie, but there's that part where he's talking to the feds and he's like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm law enforcement as well. I do want to help y'all. I'm law enforcement too. <laughs> want to be cops. They're dangerous. It Worse than real that. cops. Does he kind of give off a Paul Blart vibe too? Paul Blart. Um, Another American hero. Paul Blart was a little more. I fell asleep through that movie, but from what I could tell, Paul Blart's got, he's a, he might be more of a Paul Blart type. Wasn't there a Seth Rogen movie about a mall cop too? I don't know. We can we can tie a lot of movies into this here documentary. Yeah, well, let's just talk about anything but this. <laughs> We're talking documentary. This is the real shit. This is judging Jewel. The feds say, Richard, come over to this facility, this building. We're going to make a training video. <laughs> Man, how good is that? The media is outside his house, well, his mom's house, just everywhere, trying to get an interview. Like, they think you're a suspect. And he goes, no, they want me to make a training video. <laughs> The FBI said, come over, we'll make a training video. Why would they make a training video with people who don't work for the FBI? Because he's an American hero who was on the scene, a first responder. I do want to help y'all on law enforcement, too. All of a sudden, in this interview with the FBI... Hold on, I want to say something that happened before that. When he's walking off with the FBI to uh, go make this video... Air quoting real hard. All the cameramen are following him like, hey, are they taking you off because you're a suspect? And he's like, no, no. And one cameraman just busts his ass off the curb at Richard Jewell's mom's <laughs> house. When they start reading him his Miranda rights, Richard's like, suddenly the, a spark happens in his brain. No, that's part of the filming. We want to make it as realistic as possible. So we're going to read you your Miranda rights. <laughs> then he gets it. He says, if you're going to read me my Miranda rights, uh, should I have a lawyer present? And then the FBI... Drops the charade and lights into him. It doesn't take long. Where It's the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, right? It's the first paper that comes out claiming that Richard Jewell is a sub- suspect. And uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if he was the writer or the editor at the time. Either way, you're responsible. But he was talking about how they didn't cite that the FBI was saying these things as opposed to they made it like this was general knowledge. That's so interesting. How, and irresponsible as shit as a journalist. Yeah, how, how the little bit of phrasing is the one thing that this guy really regrets. The I think he was the editor at the time of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. That in the phrasing, they didn't say, the FBI thinks this. They said, this is what yeah, is happening right now. He's a suspect. And yeah, it, it all changes. The media narrative changes. It grows even bigger. Now that whole horde of reporters and cameras at his mom's house isn't saying nice things like, yo, you're the hero, you're the best, Richard Jewell. They're saying, why are you a suspect of the FBI? Did you do it? Yeah. Did you do it? These headlines are real mean. They're all talking about, you know, this chubby campus cop and uh, lots of puns. Lots of puns. Pancakes taken in for questioning. (laughs) Again, I'm not a small man. These reporters, they suck. These cops, (laughs) they they suck. People in general in here, they suck. Yeah. Everyone sucks a big old dick. Even though Richard Jewell is innocent, he sucks dick a little bit. This is just a whole shit show, this one. The only winner here, who, the only sympathetic character, really. I mean, Richard Jewell's kind of a sympathetic yes, character. He's, but his, his mom really is. That's true. She's just... And his they wife. They can't leave their house, even. And his wife. His wife is not even in this picture at all. Yeah. They say he has one at the time, but... 
He lives at his mom's house. He's by here. Himself. Oh, I guess maybe she married him later, I suppose. Yeah, I'm not sure what the timeline on that was. She saw him on TV looking flustered and was like, that's my man. Hell yeah. Could use some of those pancakes. His fucking lawyer is in here. and Named Lynn Wood. And he starts crying because he... Um, and when I first met Richard Jewell and he asked me if I would represent him, I told him that I would, but I did it on one condition. That he would have to accept my apology. Because I thought he did it. I love that little speech he has where they're like, if they can fool Lynn Wood, an educated man like me who's a professional in defending innocent people, yeah. if they can fool Lynn Wood, they can fool anybody. <laughs> and Lynn Wood is the most genius of men. He can't be fooled. I went to school, to lawyer school. Look, people who knew Richard were interviewed and they were calling him egotistical and aggressive. Profile. One of the problems that Richard had here in the local community was he was uh, always seeking attention. I think he was a very aggressive type of person. He lived alone in this rented home with his Doberman dogs, most days with the blinds drawn. People in his neighborhood and shit. And the thing is, they might be right in their own way. It just doesn't mean that he planted a, the biggest pipe bomb in North American history. Oh, he planted some big pipe bombs. I mean, he laid some pipe. No doubt, he's Richard Jewell. <laughs> Richard fuckboy Jewell, but he didn't lay a pipe bomb. But in, what he gets is 88 days under police surveillance. 88 days of the FBI watching his house, tailing his car every time he leaves the house. And then this horde of cameras and reporters following the FBI, following him. He can't leave his house without cars following him everywhere. His mom can't leave the house without cars following them everywhere. They can't open a window to let some sunshine in because there's a camera there. For 88 days before finally they send a letter that says Richard Jewell is not a target of this bad. investigation. <laughs> it should just say my bad in big letters. <laughs> I wish it did. Now, they say it's an unprecedented step for the U.S. government to admit a mistake. Well, they, not even admit a mistake. Just say... You're free and clear. You're not a suspect. And, uh, you know, cable news is really ramping up at this time. And so they spend hours and hours and hours talking about, did Richard Jewell fucking do this? Look at him. Look at his jowls. He has no neck. He probably did this. And maybe like 10, maybe 30 seconds being like, he is not a suspect. And now on to Monica Lewinsky or whatever the fuck's going <laughs> on at the time. Takes over a year for Richard Jewell to get any job after this. But he finally gets to be a cop. Or does he? Another school cop in bumfuck Georgia somewhere. They said he took a position with the Luthersville, Georgia police. Sorry, Luthersville. I couldn't remember that name. They don't I'm sure say, it's a nice town. They don't say he was a cop. Or but he a got eight officer. bucks an hour. That's kind of why I'm thinking he wasn't a cop. Then in 2003, they arrest not Richard Jewell. Yeah, I would not have gotten this Trivial Pursuit question. You had to be there at the time to even know who Richard Jewell was. Younger people have no idea. And even less people know who actually put the pipe bomb down. That's the absolute like defining moment of this whole this little short documentary we're talking about. There's so much focus on Richard Jewell. Everybody in the world at this time knew Richard Jewell's name, but nobody knows Eric Robert Rudolph. Yeah. The guy who actually laid the bomb, who was actually confessed, convicted of this, is spending life in prison for 
the pipe bomb in the Atlanta Centennial Park at the Olympics. But no, he's, we still, to this day, the people who remember that, you remember Richard Jewell. You don't remember the guy who actually <laughs> did it. Because yeah. he didn't spend 88 days under surveillance with the camera outside his mom's house every day. Most of the media settled with Richard for something. So it seems like he got some kind of a payday. But the Atlanta Journal-Constitution fought back. And they won their case because Richard Jewell was considered a public figure. And it seems so he kind has of, no privacy. It seems no kind rights. Of, well, he put himself out there before people were accusing him. He was all over the place, like, "Yeah, I'm just trying to do what's right out there in the world." And that, it, and I could see why they it didn't rule in his favor, honestly. But he died in 2007. Of can you guess what he died of? The Beatus. The Beatus. And that's the story. Of judging Jewel. But before he died, he did get to be at the trial conviction of Eric Robert Rudolph. Yeah. Who you know did it because they used his middle name. Yeah. <laughs> you, he must. He's probably a serial killer. <laughs> serial pipe bomb layer. Drew, we don't judge shorties like this in full-grown herzogs. We judge them in baby herzogs. I'm going to give it one through three baby herzogs. You're going to give it one through three baby herzogs. Shove them together for best out of six. May I go first? Go for it. In this year of Drew, I can let you do that. This is interesting going back to these times that I do remember. These are, I was a teenager during these times. I was into those games. I remember watching all day news coverage of this pipe bomb going off, watching them play the same image over and over again. And it threw us back to a time where federal authorities cared about stomping down white domestic terrorism. And that's fascinating. We just don't have it like that anymore. I'm not going to mention that in the Clint Eastwood picture. (laughs) I don't know what that Clint Eastwood picture is going to be like. Sam Rockwell's in it. He's a good actor. Uh, What's his name? Don Draper's in it. I know people pretend he's a good actor, but he acts. I don't know. For some reason, they have a, an African actor playing Eric Robert Rudolph. Oh, Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or a Middle Eastern guy, right? He's <laughs> North African. Um, I give it two. I give it two and a half out of three Herzogs, baby Herzogs. I thought it was, I thought it was good, and it was a nice summation because I have a feeling the Clint Eastwood movie probably runs a bit long, and this is like maybe a, this is a solid summation of those events. I agree with you. This did a good job of summing that up. I thought it had some really good footage in there, especially the footage of the media and the camera, the footage of the people taking the footage that we all saw during this Richard Jewell time. Yeah. It's horrifying just seeing these enormous crowds surround him. So he has to walk really slow. This thing we've seen on courthouse steps all the time. This was any time he left or went back to his house. He had to just wade through piles of people, you know, three or four deep surrounding him with microphones and cameras it it kind of reminded me of uh, catching hell when we saw steve bartman and the lengths they had to go through to get him out of wrigley field if you listen to our previous episode he didn't get that he had to go through that crowd every single time and that's that's a nightmare that mob mentality is so terrifying and i thought the ending of this was also really good the way they kind of told you what he lost during this and that he had that initial couple weeks or or a couple days even when he was the hero this guy who that's all he wanted his entire life was to be the hero cop this guy lost everything but weight <laughs> nice <laughs> hey 
And they say, you know, Richard Jewell should have been getting cheers everywhere he went. He should have been at baseball games throwing out the pr- first pitch and being this hero that celebrated. Like, how do, you, how do you put a price? How do you put a figure on what he actually lost in this, this stature, this thing that, you know, could have absolutely changed his life? He could have been doing the talk show circuits forever, a motivational speaker. But instead, his name is remembered for being accused falsely of being the bomber. And then they flash at the very end to the remembrance, this, what is it, a quilt of remembrance or something? Yeah, yeah. That's at that park that mentions all the people whose lives were impacted or injured at the Atlanta bombing. Doesn't say a single word about Richard Jewell. He was collateral damage so the FBI could make people feel safe. To say, oh, we got the guy. We're, we're figuring this out. Don't worry. Enjoy your Olympics. We're on the case. And the Atlanta Journal-Constitution was like, we're the hometown newspaper. We've got the scoop before anybody else. Let's put out all this stuff. We're making you feel safe. The FBI's got the guy. It's this damn Ouroboros (laughs) of jacking off to make each other feel good about it. And I did like the way this documentary drove that home. So I'm going to give it a three. Oh, wow. A max score. Three for the shorty. It made me feel some feels. Yo, apparently three. I don't think you've maxed out on anything. I've maxed out on some shorties it's, before. It's a shorty, so it's a little more light. Yeah. How much is that? <laughs> five point five, five and a half out of six baby herd songs. And for uh, judging Jewel by motherfucker named Adam Hootnick. And Hootnick. What, what a hoot, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> hey. I bet he's never heard that before. And now you don't have to watch that Clint Eastwood movie. And now... Thanks to us. Or maybe you do. Eh, do what maybe, you want. Maybe you still want to. Do what you want. Keep on docking. You know my name. <clears throat> but you do not really know who I am. My name is Richard Jewell. I am not the Olympic Park bomber. I am a man who from July 30th until October 26th lived every waking minute of those 88 days afraid that I would be arrested and charged with a horrible crime. A crime I did not commit. We try to hustle and try to bust and try to cuss them. Cops want someone to bust down on Orleans Avenue. Another day, another dollar, another wall, another tower went up where the homeless had their homes. So we prayed with many different gods as there are flowers, but we call religion our friend. We're so worried about saving our souls, afraid that God will take his toll that we forget to.